Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Water and Power. Every individual's actions matter in preserving resources. Join the ripple effect to build a more resilient water future. Learn more about water programs, workshops, and ways to save at pwpweb.com slash the ripple effect. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at laist.com slash sweeps. LAist Studios. We are now about to land in the world's famous city of Los Angeles. It's paradise on Earth. <laughs> That's what they tell you anyway. You are in the center of what used to be Los Angeles. They call Los Angeles the city of angels. I didn't find it to be that exactly. Lights, camera, action! I'm Brian De Los Santos, and this is How to LA, the podcast that helps you discover new things about your city. We're coming to you today with a special guided tour of downtown. One common misconception about Los Angeles is that sightseeing here means hopping on a celebrity home tour. In those double-decker buses that drive around the city, those tours do exist, and people go on them, But, no shade, I don't think I've ever gone on one of those. The How to LA team here started thinking about unique ways to explore LA and how the look of it can vary so much. A lot of that has to do with a variety of different styles of architecture here. And it's meant that, in movies, LA can stand in for lots of different places. There's even a whole documentary about it called Los Angeles Plays Itself. This is the city, Los Angeles, California. They make movies here. And we thought it'd be interesting to get a look at Los Angeles through the eyes of someone who thinks about these things every day as part of their job, a film location scout. Name is Rick Schuler, and I'm a supervising location manager. Rick has been scouting and managing film locations in LA for almost 30 years. His credits include Seven, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Her, a Star is Born, the Lady Gaga version, by the way, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. What you deal with here is like we got the trees we got to take away, the lamps you have to take away, but the architecture is all here. Our first stop was the James Oviet building near Pershing Square. Maybe one of the best um, representations of Art Deco here in Los Angeles. It was built in 1928, and if you look in from the ground level, you'll see the covered, partially outdoor lobby with beautiful glass columns that are lit from within. There's a penthouse up there that's like amazing and amazing views and a little clock tower. But it's great architecture. And in filmmaking, we're always looking for great architecture if it works for the, for the story. So um, there's Art Deco throughout here and throughout LA, but it's disappearing little by little, like with everything. So this one has done really well. I mean, the, the interior uh, restaurant space uh, we used on uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the exterior we used recently as an outdoor Italian cafe uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The first floor used to be a men's clothing store. Now it's a restaurant cicada. I've never been here. 
<laughs> Live them and lay well, my I'd life. love to hear that. <laughs> and because Rick knows the people in charge, we got the okay to go inside before they were open. So this feels New York to us. And uh, so we wanted something that was grand. We wanted something that was opulent. We wanted space. They are dancing, so there's sort of a dance floor here. The, the height gives us room to light. The reflective nature of what's in here also helps and sort of creates a mood. Can you explain how LA captures different eras, different feels, and different cities sometimes? I think we divide the city between like the more modern part of it, that would be sort of west of Hill, and then everything east of Hill gets into older, it's Broadway, it's Spring, it's Main Street, and that can play for New York, can play for Chicago, can play for parts of San Francisco. Then you have the more modern area, which, you know, unless you're identifying the library tower, or you're identifying something, you won't necessarily know it's um, LA. Uh, and then neighborhoods, like we all go to Pasadena, South Pasadena, to get like what we call the Midwestern look, clapboard houses, craftsmen. We go to the West Adams District to kind of get a variety of things there. And uh, I mean, the Valley has all kinds of things. You know, when we worked on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there was, it was 1969. So that's kind of preserved in the Valley. You know, it's sort of single story, two story buildings. And then there's the ocean, there's piers. Um, so there's a lot of stuff in LA and the weather. I mean, we can kind of, well, we used to be able to count on the weather. Uh, rain is sort of our issue, though heat is becoming potentially something. Uh, but yeah, L.A. has, has all these locations. Uh, and the fun part when I started back in the 80s is that you're just driving around and exploring and seeing what you could come up with. So, yeah, I think L.A. has a lot to offer. And the infrastructure is here. And, I mean, it was interesting to notice that for a long time people wanted to leave and that... As the actors, I think, got older, they wanted to be with their families, and so there was a push for them to go, yeah, I'll shoot this movie if you do it in L.A. Uh, but I think, yeah, more than maybe other cities, L.A. is very adaptable to passes a lot of different places. From the Oviat building, we're off to a more modern building in downtown, the Watermark Tower. It's a 35-story glass high-rise apartment building all floor-to-ceiling greenish glass with corner balconies that stick out like the teeth of a comb. So we're coming up on the building where we shot the apartment uh, for Joaquin Phoenix on the movie Her. Which this already looks like a different type of city. Right. So this is what I was telling you. It's like there's the city in me is divided in two. Not, not perfectly, you know, between east and west. And we're gonna have to walk around the back. Let's go down here and walk down the alley because I want to show you there's a remnant of what we did that's still there. On her, it was a movie that was set into the future, mm -hmm. not too far into the future. And at first I thought like, oh, well, I'm gonna need to find all these super modern buildings and everything. And then realized that, okay, you know, we're walking here and there's probably buildings that are 100 years old, like right around us. And we don't think like, oh, well, that building should be there. Like the pantry over there. I mean, that thing's been there forever. So we'll walk down here. 
you know, now there are many more modern buildings like this uh, to choose from, but at the time it was this one and the one behind it right here. Okay. And that one was still under construction, but this one was the hot place. In this case, I had to come in the lobby and I waited like on and off, right? It took me on and off about five to six weeks to finally make contact with the manager to talk to her about getting this location. So basically, can you look up there and guess which one was the her apartment? Um, the one with the weird windows. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> and the weird windows are clear glass instead of the green uh, tinted glass. And um, the interesting thing about it is that when I talked to them, we finally got the apartment on board. Um, but after we talked and I, I talked to them, they're like, oh, the DP goes up and goes, wow, this, this is really dark in here with these green windows. So he's like, can we take the windows out? And I'm like, whoa, okay, let me go ask. So they were open to it. And we, we uh, hired a company, Giroux Glass, that does high-rises like this. And the irony of the thing is that once we started filming, they go, this is too bright. So we had to create what we call hard gels and tint the windows back from the inside with these hard gels. So, you, of course, the producer's going like, hmm, okay. But I understand getting the, the green tint out of there. Um, so I purchased the green windows to replace, but they wanted to keep those because they liked it for film shoots. They do... Um, print shoots there quite a bit. But yeah, so it's trying to find LA in the future. Coming up, more of our tour of downtown LA with location manager Rick Schuler. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Mix Mix, The Filipino Adventures of a German-Jewish Boy by Boney B. Alvarez. Inspired by true events from the life of Ralph Price, after escaping Nazi Germany, a newfound tropical refuge in the Philippines is upended when Japan invades the islands. On stage through June 16th, tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAist comes from Pasadena Water and Power, inviting everyone to join the ripple effect. Water plays a pivotal role in our lives, and every individual's actions matter in preserving this resource. Each action we take starts the ripple of change, making a greater impact throughout the community. Be part of the ripple effect and learn more about water programs, workshops, and ways to save at pwpweb.com slash the ripple effect. Welcome back to How to LA and our film location tour of downtown LA with location manager Rick Schuler. How did you become a location manager for Hollywood? Uh, I kind of fell into it. Um, I, um, I wanted to be a college professor teaching history. And then I, I came out here, I taught in a high school for six years, and then I met producers, location scout. It was Alverno High School, an all-girls school, and they did filming there. There's an, Ita an Italian villa on the premises. So I met people and I felt I, I had taught and I taught, I taught everything I knew. And I didn't want to be the terrible teacher like in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where it's like, anyone, anyone? So I decided to jump. I, I knew a location manager and he took me on to sort of assist him. And uh, I worked at Propaganda Films where a lot of young directors were doing music videos, commercials and that kind of stuff. And I hooked up with David Fincher and he sent me a script for Seven. 
and then that's how I started in, in features. And then I did five or six movies with him afterwards and met other people and that's how it went. So you drove around in LA a lot, yeah. I'm assuming. Oh yeah. And back then, when I first started, I didn't know where things were. So I would just drive and drive, I mean, for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And if it's not for this, I'm, I'm, I'm cataloging this stuff for future stuff. Um, like where it's going to be. But back then, L.A., downtown, stayed the same. So once you learned it, you kind of knew it. There wasn't this boom in construction. And there was no so. Google Maps where there's like iconic oh, no. landmarks, right? You had, what do they call the maps uh, back in the day? A Thomas Guide. Yes, Thomas Guide. There was a Thomas Guide store right on 6th Street by the Biltmore. And we'd go there and buy that. And then we'd buy the big map that we'd put in our office so we could put pins of where we were shooting so the director could sort of see like what the space is from... We're going to be in Santa Monica, we're going to be in Silmar, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no Google Earth, and we did it all by pay phones. So you had to figure out what your route was going to be for the day, and where the good pay phones were that were quiet, they worked, you could have incoming phone calls, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I forgot about that. A short metro ride, hydration break, and parking meter top-off later, we were on to 4th and Main for what Rick calls quintessential New York. And there were some points of interest along the way. Michael Douglas, his point of view before he jumps off this building is at the top of this building. The building is a high-rise at 700 Flower Street. And the movie was Don't Say a Word, which Rick says not a lot of people saw since it came out in September 2001. Another, since we're here, this Lebanon alley across from the arch right there is a great alley that looks, that looks at that, and we like, I use that for San Francisco. Pretty soon, we were in New York City by way of downtown's historic core. Its borders are roughly Hill and Main Streets and 3rd and 9th Streets, and it's where you can find those cool old theaters like the Orpheum and the Ace. You can see the fire escapes on the front of the right. buildings, and the gargoyles, and the statues. I think they call cathedral windows, the rounded part of the windows up top. And it's just, they're just beautiful buildings. But if you walk around like most people do, if you look at the bottom two stories, that's a whole different thing. It's not the beauty of everything that's up top. So we are at a couple different locations here. Okay. It's where the older buildings are. It's sort of like what we like to do as generic, you know, New York, Chicago, that kind of thing. The, the streets tend to be narrower, which we like. You can see, like, if you were here, sort of at the intersection of... Um, where it's Spring and Fifth Street, like every corner doesn't betray anything LA. Like this could be any generic city. On the movie Seven, we filmed at the Alexandria Hotel. At the time I had to go and go all into all of the bad <laughs> paper day hotels to sort of see what would, would be the best. Um, but architecturally we liked what this one had to offer. Which and was looking the kind of bay windows that don't come out exactly like in San Francisco, but the bay windows, um, and then the fire escapes, and then the older lamps. And the bottom has been changed here, but it was older. It was older looking. So that that fire escape right there, we rigged for um, Brad Pitt to come down that and chase after Kevin Spacey's character who was the, uh, the murderer. 
and he goes through a bunch of apartments in here. He goes into a beautiful ballroom that was very New York looking with beautiful pillars. And in fact, Brad goes into that and actually he does, he did his own stunts. He was a young kid at that time and uh, he cut his arm. So if you remember in the movie, he's wearing a cast. Okay, yeah. He did this stunt and then he had to start wearing that cast, which I think goes really well with the movie, but that was why, because he cut himself uh, going through uh, a window up there. And then they chase each other and they go down this alley. Uh, and the alleys we like around here have a lot of fire escapes. So you can get a great long view looking down and these fire escapes just tell us like it's New York, Chicago, that kind of look. We're right around the last bookstore for people who know where that is, you know? Yeah. Have you shot in here? Yeah, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, no, no, uh, Gone Girl. Um, we used to film on the second story here because uh, there was some, a floor that looked period, which would be old wood. Um, that could pass as a police station or something like that. Um, but on Gone Girl, we were looking for a bookstore that was set sort of in, um, in New York. And so the actors were in here as a flashback when they were getting to know each other, Rosamund Pike and uh, Ben Affleck. As we made our way toward Little Tokyo, we stopped in at the Barclay Hotel. The Barclay Hotel is like, it's been used in so many movies. It's, um, Pretty amazing. We used it on Mr. and Mrs. Smith to kind of be Bogota, Colombia inside. It's one of the hotels downtown that's now converted into low-income housing. Hotel Barclay, 158-room Hotel Barclay, the oldest continually operating hotel in Los Angeles. This one has gone through a lot of transformations. We did a lot of filming in here. This was this was Bogota for us. Though, I think as the president of Colombia, once he saw the movie from Mr. and Mrs. Smith, he's like, mm, Bogota doesn't exactly look like this rundown, so he had something to say about his CD. And on Main Street were a couple other film locations. <laughs> that wall over there played the side of the Man Chinese wall oh, wow. in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because oh. we needed a parking lot in the Hollywood Highland complex is there now right so and Quentin likes to do things for real he doesn't like much CGI mm. or any um, so we did that there looking for the right height of the building the right corner before final stop I realized I needed to be back at the office for a meeting so producer Monica Bushman our intern Eden Tashoma and photographer Julie Leopo Bermudez headed on without me Their last stop was the Double Tree Hotel, formerly called the Kyoto Grand Hotel and Gardens. And before that, the new Otani Hotel and Garden, built in 1977. It doesn't look all that notable from the outside, but the filming location Rick wanted to show us was the garden upstairs. I know, you just walk by and you go, really? You found something here? Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just go this way. And just a note, it's technically only supposed to be used by hotel guests. So we are at the Kyoto Gardens, uh, which is part of the Doubletree Hotel. We'll go up these stairs here. And it's a Japanese-themed garden. We chose this location for the movie Her because of its primarily being on the second floor of the building outdoor 
with trees and everything, some hint of architecture behind it. And in the movie Her, it was, I think, um, I think the year we were trying, it was sometime in the future. I don't know if we actually identified that year, but it wasn't too far in the future. But what we had decided to do, both from an aesthetic and a production reason, was to elevate everything that happened. So they live up in apartments, they walk on bridges between buildings, and this was a place that was a garden that was above ground too. So in the movie you have a sense that rooftops have become a big thing. You can see trees up there and all that kind of stuff. So we chose this I think as a place where I think Joaquin Phoenix meets up with Rooney Mara and they have a discussion and talk about he's still in love with her and she's like, boy you better get over this kind of situation. So this was both because of the second level but also the beauty of the gardens uh, and the waterfalls and all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of as far as the story it's like he's still hopeful and she's like no it's over. So it has a romantic feel um, but it's sort of the end of the road for him. It's like time to get real about what's really happening. The vegetation has really grown, I must say, since we were here last. Um, but I hope you can still see the beauty in it uh, with all the different type of trees. There's koi ponds, there's little water features here and there, um, and then the hotel next to it. I think we also did, we used that um, corner um, penthouse up there for something in the movie too. Because uh, you do try to find the key thing in a location and then because of time, you don't want to keep moving all the time. You try to find something else that could work either nearby or right at the location. I think we shot a Japanese market not too far from here as well. And how did you end up, did you know of this place or how did you end up finding out that this was even here? Because it's so kind of tucked away. Yeah, it's hard to, I know, you're like, where are we going? <laughs> uh, that's the case with the inside of buildings. That's the case with this. It's like, uh, I mean, that's the part of the job I like, is that it's basically hitting the pavement. I mean, it's you got to do the work. So whether it's for this movie or another movie, I'm like, okay, I'm looking for a hotel. What does it offer? And so you just go exploring. And just like that, the tour was a wrap. Thanks to Rick Schuler for heading out with us on a pretty hot day. We've got some great photos and a list of all the locations if you want to check them out. Go to Elias.com. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the... The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.